0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord, and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today is Transfiguration Sunday in the church year, and so that's what we, we got to hear about. In our gospel reading, the transfiguration of Jesus, I'm guessing um, many of you have heard of this, are familiar with this story. I love to sometimes pause and reflect on how other faithful Christians before us have reflected on great events of Jesus' life, specifically artists. Uh, I like watching what an artist does because I am not one. And so they can do things that I can't do. So let's take a moment and, and look at uh, the transfiguration of Jesus in art throughout history. Uh, here, here we have a, a picture of, of Christ and up on a little platform there, I suppose that's depicting kind of that the, the there's a mountaintop scene that's happening And we see uh, the clouds in the back. We see Jesus with Moses and Elijah. And we see the disciples. What are the disciples doing here? (laughs) sleeping. Luke points that out for us. Now, we, we've got three accounts of the transfiguration, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all give the transfiguration for us. Luke is the one that gives us this de- detail, that Jesus was praying and they were sleeping. Oh, those silly disciples. They missed the best moments, right? And of course, this is pointing forward, looking forward to what's going to happen a few weeks, maybe months later, when Jesus again is praying with these three, Peter, James and John, in the garden of Gethsemane and they're sleeping in his most critical hour. Another picture here, we again have the same figures, the same people Um, at this time, the disciples aren't sleeping, they're kind of What's that? I said chilling. Chilling, right? Yeah. Maybe a little little bit of fear or startled, like they've just woken up and wait, there's Jesus and those two other guys, right? Of course and Jesus right away and even Peter when he talks <laughs> um, another thing about those disciples, right? Like Peter sleeps in very critical times and then when he does open his mouth he says kinda silly things, right? Like betraying his Lord. And uh, so they're startled awake, and Peter says, I'll, I'll make a, a three, three booths, three tents for you and Moses and, and Elijah. And something we can kind of take from, or something we can stand on here, is I, from time to time, get the question, will we recognize our loved ones in heaven? I think this gives us a good leg to stand on there. Think about it. Moses, he lived how? Anyone have a guess how many years before Jesus lived? What's that? A long time, right? About fifteen hundred years before Jesus. Elijah, a little under a thousand years, and they recognize them. Hmm. There seems to be something to be said there about a recognizing our brothers and sisters in Christ who go before us when we see them in glory. We uh, have, a, have a picture here, obviously a little bit more, um, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Contemporary, right? There you go. Abstract, thank you, thank you. And you, you see, uh, maybe the, the one figure you can make out here is, is Jesus. And if you look close enough around the edges, you see there are other figures. Um, built into this, into this painting. All this to say, to say, as I was thinking through these texts, these paintings, I have the question: well, Why? You know, why the transfiguration? It, it's important, obviously. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all think it's important. They all record it, and pretty. Fair amount of detail. I don't think any of us are going to argue with like, can this happen, or that Jesus is God, or that the the um, visions that the Lord ha- or gives, and when He appears in His glory, that they're full of splendor, cause us to have awe and wonder, and like the disciples at times. Fear, even. But w- still leaves me wondering w- why? What is so important about this event that it's recorded that we have a, a Sunday in the church here dedicated to the Transfiguration? It's another picture of the Transfiguration. Disciples are, I think, in fear again. They're maybe laying down, sheltering their face a little bit. We see Moses on the right, has the Ten Commandments. We see Elijah on the viewer's left. And we see Jesus. And this was happening in all the paintings that we looked at. But most clearly here, Jesus is the focus. Jesus is the central figure here that predominates. It's bright, that jumps out at us. And not only is this true in all these paintings, but in the the texts as well, it is Jesus with whom we're left. Jesus has this, his conversation with Moses and Elijah. Now think about Moses and, and Elijah. Um, Moses, he's holding, in this picture, Ten Commandments, the tablets, the, the law. The Old Testament is filled with many laws from God, not just the Ten Commandments. And yet... Moses goes away. And Elijah. Elijah, he was a prophet. Now, he was a speaking prophet, not a writing prophet. What I mean by that is there isn't a book of Elijah in the Bible. We read about Elijah in the book of 1 Kings in in the Old Testament. But he was a, a prophet, and he would speak sometimes really hard truths, to the king, to the queen, <laughs> to the people of, of God. And yet, even his truths are swallowed up in Jesus. In fact, both Moses and Elijah, they, they, they go away. And who are we left with? Jesus only. And at that point, it, the, the father comes... And he speaks, his voice comes through a cloud, and we see lots of similarities between when the father spoke at the baptism of Jesus. This is my beloved son, he said. But he adds something here. Adds something as uh, as opposed to the baptism of Jesus. He says, listen to him. Listen to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Sometimes, I think we can maybe forget about that or become a little numb to that reality. We, we know that. Is anyone here about to stand up and, and say, Pastor Larry, I'm going to report you to the ecclesial authorities of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod for uh, dare saying it's all about you? No. No, everyone knows it's all about Jesus. But we can forget about this. I often drive over Swan Mountain Road. My home is on one side of Swan Mountain Road. The church is on the other side of Swan Mountain Road. I'm thankful for Swan Mountain Road because I'm pretty sure about uh, a quarter of my sermon illustrations come from Swan Mountain Road. So this this is a good thing. Well, As we're driving over Swan Mountain Road, what what do we see though? We see, as I'm leaving from the Dillon side, pulling out of Summit Cove, I see... Buffalo Mountain, in all its splendor, and Lake Dillon, Gore Range, driving up the road a little bit, get up to Sapphire Point, and then as soon as you're at Sapphire Point, boom, there's Peak One. And it's just popping in all its majesty, and all its glory. And as, as we're driving through... You'll also see tourists who are out there with their cell phones out the window, driving, saying, oh, i got to get a picture of this, right? Understandably so. And yet, for those of you who are tourists, I'm letting you in to the hearts of us locals a little bit. Sometimes we can get a little grouchy. All right, let's go, California. Move it, move it, move it, right? It's Texas, right? Or California, or Red Plate, or... Yeah, yeah. pick your poison, right? Um, I have places to go. Church starts in just a few minutes. I'm running late. Come on, let's move it, right? Uh, I have to get to work. I have to get to pick up my kids from school. Whatever the case may be, I might just not want to be driving behind someone going 22 miles an hour because I'd rather be going over the speed limit. And what can happen to us locals, I think, is what can happen to us as, as Christians is that we can forget about the splendor and the majesty and the glory that is right there for us to observe. It's a good practice for me. Sometimes as I'm driving, take a deep breath. Back off of the person in front of me's bumper (laughs) and to take in the realities, the beauty that we call home. Man, Christians, it's a good thing from time to time to slow down, back up, and reflect upon the glories of Jesus. Jesus only. Now, now, now. What are the things that can distract us from Jesus? And the list can go on for a long time. Uh, Work. Ooh, busy, busy, busy. Got to get to work. Got to get things done before the deadline. Uh, Don't want to upset my coworkers. Don't want to upset my employers. Things to do. Another one that's easy for preachers to rail on these days is kids' sports. And I'm experiencing this, I'm living this. Sports are a good thing, but sports can also pull us from Jesus, right? And I know, I've heard, I've been in the staff meetings. Where pastors and church workers frustrated are frustrated with the fact that the pews are not as full as the soccer fields on the way to church. and that can go for Sundays. That can go for uh, our daily lives as well. What else? Uh, how about wars and? Rumors of wars. Pretty sure everyone knows next word in my, from my mouth is going to be Ukraine, right? Lord have mercy. And uh, we are heartbroken by that. However, I- I'll also push on Christians here. Sometimes we look at wars and rumors of wars, and then what's our next step? we go to the book of Revelation. This is prophecy being fulfilled, right? See, this is all how it's supposed to be. And what we can do is jump to some prophecies and jump over Jesus. There was a time, 2005, when I got to spend time in Israel. I got to spend five weeks there taking a couple classes, and it was a beautiful experience. There are Christians from all different tribes there, Catholics, Lutherans, Presbyterians, uh, evangelicals, non-denominational, right? And there was one individual in particular who was uh, very strong on end times theology, put lots of emphasis on what's going to happen in the last days and talked a lot about how Israel moved back to to the Holy Land in 1949, and uh, the reestablishment of the Hebrew language, all, all these sorts of things, am um, definitely believed that we are living in uh, the end times, we, and all the stuff is pointing to it, right? And had a very specific what's referred to and I won't go into all this but view of the end uh, He had, it's called premillennial dispensational, dispensationalism and essentially that Jesus is coming back before before the first or the last rapture the last day that there's going to be a time that Jesus comes back to earth and there's a thousand year reign on earth before the last day and I don't believe that. Lutherans don't believe, teach, and confess that. And he knew I didn't believe that. I am what's referred to, Lutherans are what are referred to as amillennialists, like uh, pretty much saying, um, we don't believe in a literal thousand-year reign of Jesus here on earth. We can talk more about that after, after the sermon if you'd like. This individual... When he found out I didn't believe the same as he did, uh, was railing me pretty hard for about an hour right before bed. You know, he loved having those real heated discussions right before bed. Man, it's so uh, sleep, sweet dreams right after that, right? And... Um, <laughs> And he was going into me, and he was quoting this scripture passage, and this scripture passage, and just this, this scripture passage, and why don't you believe this, and why don't, aren't, you should look these things up, why aren't you doing this right now? And I just sat there and took it on the chin for about an hour, and at the end of our discussion, I got to finally speak, and I said, here's my concern. You laid all this stuff out for an hour. And never once did you talk about the forgiveness of sins available in Jesus Christ. Never once did you talk to, to me about repenting of sins or <laughs> salvation of the hope that Jesus gives of the cross, the resurrection. <sighs> you see? I think what, what's going on in the transfiguration is God is saying, prophecy, yeah, okay, that, that can be important, that is important. He's used prophets throughout history. But prophets need to point to Jesus. The law points to Jesus. Prophets point to, to Jesus. So uh, I'll just say this. As a modern-day prophet, as a preacher, as a pastor... I need to speak about Jesus. If you go to a church, uh, not going through puberty, I don't think, but um, uh, if you go to a church and um, you don't hear Jesus, even if you hear teachings from the scriptures, if it doesn't get to Jesus, if it doesn't get to the cross and resurrection, I, I think something's missing. What else can distract us from from Jesus I don't know anything come up in your minds is just talking about work or sports or yeah, talent yeah. okay yeah right just so so like the older brother in the, the prodigal son parable, right? That, oh, man, I have, I have or, or uh, what, what should I do to inherit eternal life? I've kept all the commands. I've already done all that, Lord. What, what more should I do? Sell all your riches and follow me, right? That's what Jesus responds to the rich young ruler, Yeah, sometimes following the laws, just because we haven't made a major mistake in life, because we haven't spent time in prison, because we haven't uh, suffered from addiction or whatever, that we think, oh, we're good to go. We don't need Jesus. Maybe we wouldn't even say it quite that bluntly, but it plays out in our life. That's a really good one. Yeah, yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, Jennifer. Social media, worrying about other people Ah, uh, yeah, social media, right? So the father says, listen to him. Not listen to cable news. Not listen to your Facebook feed, right? Um, not listen, you know, if you're on Instagram, not listen to how good those, uh, those other families are doing and how they have it all put together and the grass is greener on their side. Yeah, listening... To Jesus. Something worth thinking about. Like, how much time do I spend in the Word listening to the voice of Jesus compared to the amount of time the TV's on? Or the amount of time I spend scrolling through Facebook? I think that would be a healthy exercise for us as Christians to, to um, partake in. So, What else? Any, any other thoughts? This is good. Good discussion. Luke gives uh, another detail that Matthew and Mark don't include in their accounts of the transfiguration. And he tells us a little bit about what Jesus and Elijah and Moses were talking about before the disciples woke up. (laughs) And they were talking about, let me... Turn to it here in verse 31. So uh, Luke 9, verse 31. And behold, two men, starting in verse 30, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure. That word in the Greek is exodos. Exodus, right? See it connecting here? We're looking at Moses and the Exodus, right? What does Moses do? He leads the people of Israel out of Egypt. Exodus means way out. Jesus, why do we listen to him? We listen to him because he 's our way out <laughs> he 's our way out of of sin he 's our way out of death he 's our way out of busyness he 's our, our way out of always oh, trying to have to keep the laws perfectly he 's our way out of of self. Justification and self righteousness. He's our way out of being controlled by sports and going from one sport to the next sport to the next sport to the next sport to the next sport. He's our way out of financial debt and just being encumbered and carrying that burden of uh, of finances in our lives. Jesus is our way out of everything that is broken in. This world. A few weeks later, as Jesus hung on the cross, he was flanked on either side by two other men. Not Moses and Elijah this time, but two thieves. And he hangs there, dying suffering in pain and agony for you so that you could have a way out, so that you could follow him and where he goes three days later. Out of the tomb. (laughs) You can follow his way of life. And in fact, what does Luke tell us that the early Christians were referred to? How they were referred to? They were referred to as the way. We are followers of the way, Paul would talk about in the book of Acts. Jesus is our way. We are. Heading into Lent. That's is coming Wednesday, is Ash Wednesday. And Lent, we always focus on Jesus, right? But Lent is a, a time for us to really focus, right? Like squint our eyes, focus, where, you know, this is a really small text. I want to make sure I'm reading that accurately. Focus. We focus on Jesus. We focus on the events of his life in preparation for Holy Week, the most significant week in all of world history, and in preparation to be confessors like the Father. To be confessors like Moses and Elijah, to be confessors like the disciples who flounder from time to time but who are empowered by the Holy Spirit to boldly speak about Jesus and Jesus only. Amen.